Well, good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. Uh, my name is David. I serve as one of the pastors here, uh, and I'm glad that you're with us today. We are in our series called This Is Us, uh, talking about uh, our co- five core values as a church. These are uh, five commitments, five uh, things that really drive everything and inform everything that we do as a church. These are very, very important to us, and so we take time just about every year to make sure that we go over these and make sure that these are still a commitment that we have. Uh, in something that we are still pursuing. And so in many ways, this is kind of a family talk, uh, but if you uh, do not yet call Bridgewater home, it's also great for you to be here because you get to kind of see a behind-the-scenes look into who we are and what we do and why we would choose to be committed to those things. And today we're in week number four, looking at our fourth value, which is this, life is better connected. We believe that life is truly better when we're in uh, living in healthy relationships with others. And but here's what I think: when we hear that phrase, "life is better connected," we all have some sort of internal response to that. Maybe it's you know I bet life is better connected, but I, I don't really I don't really know what that looks like. Or you know I think life is supposed to be better connected, but oftentimes I feel like it's just harder. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Or maybe you're here today and you hear that phrase and you think, you know, I've been doing this on my own for a while and I kind of feel like I'm doing okay. I'm not sure that life is actually better connected. And that internal response that we have is likely fueled by our past or our current relationships and how we have responded to them. See, the reality is that our greatest joys and our greatest pains in life are generally from relationships, are they not? Like if I was to sit down with each one of you and ask you about some highs and lows in your life, I bet most, if not all of them, would be from some sort of relationship, whether it's uh, romantic, whether it's your relationship with your kids, your relationship to your parents, your relationship to your boss, to your neighbors, to the people around you at work. Many of our highs and our lows in life come from these relationships, and how we respond to those highs and lows is probably going to inform how we view relationships as a whole we've worked through that pain that relationships can sometimes cause, we probably uh, will still see them as worthwhile, as worth the effort, but maybe if we haven't, if we've not processed that pain, we might not see them as worth it. And what I hope to do this morning is to convince you that no matter your current or your past relationships, no matter how much pain, no matter how much joy, maybe there's not a ton of relationship there at all, what I hope to convince you this morning is that life is actually better when we are connected, when we're living in relationships with others. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be this morning. And here we find the Apostle Paul, who's in prison writing to the church at Colossae, and he wrote this letter to correct some, some bad thinking, some, uh, some false teaching, actually, that was going on in this church, uh, to correct that and to uh, help them continue to actually follow Jesus. And in this text, Paul is going to give us three ways that life is better when we are connected. So let's read these verses, Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, 
in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So what are those three ways that life is better connected? Well, first, I think life is better when we fight for one another. Life is better when we fight for one another. Not fight with one another. We, we all know the trouble that can cause, right? But fight for one another. Paul says that he is contending, that he's fighting for those believers. And that word for contending has the idea of participating in an intense uh, competition in order to win. It can be translated as fight or struggle or opposition. Paul was fighting for them because he knew that they were starting to go in an unhealthy direction. And so he writes this letter to get them back on course. Even though Paul had uh, likely never met these people and he's literally in prison for spreading the good news of Jesus in that place. He says, I'm going to fight for them because they are headed in a bad direction. That false teaching is not going to lead them to joy. It's not going to lead them to life. It's going to lead them in unhealthy directions. Fighting for one another is being willing to do the uncomfortable and the inconvenient for the good of someone else. That's what it means to fight for others. We lay down our desires and our comfort and we go after what is good for them, what's going to help them succeed, what's going to help them win in life, what's going to help them have a better relationship with people around them, what's going to have them help them have a better relationship with God. That's what it means to fight for one another, to do the uncomfortable, the inconvenient looking to help them win in life. We want to help them be all that God uh, called them to be and all that he enabled them to be. And Paul, again, knew that this false teaching was not going to do that. And so he writes this letter. He's fighting for them. He's fighting for their health. And here's what can happen sometimes when we step in to fight for someone. They can see it as us meddling, right? They can see it as us trying to get in their business, trying to control them, Right? I mean, think about how easy it would have been for these believers in uh, Colossae to say that, like, Paul, you've never even been here. You don't know what's going on with us. Just, just get out of our business. That would have been a real fear, I imagine, for Paul as he was writing this letter. But he loved them enough to do it anyway, to step into the fray, to, to risk that, uh, that, that them responding that way because he knew that they needed this truth. Life is better when we fight for one another. It's better when we have a group of people around us who have our back, who are there for us when life gets hard, who can see what we can't see in our lives and love us enough to point it out even when we don't like them for it in the moment. It's better when we have people in our lives who will call us back to truth when we are wandering off. I don't think any of us like to be corrected in the moment, right? But in the long run, we love people in our lives who will call us back to truth, who will call us back to what is right. I'm a junior high soccer coach for Blue Ridge, and when I'm trying to help my players understand that they are shooting the ball wrong, they don't exactly appreciate being corrected in the moment, right? 
but those that actually make adjustments are better for it because they become a better soccer player. Sometimes we need to choose the the person's long-term health over their happiness with us in the moment. We need to be willing to step into that because they need it. And I'll be honest, I struggle with this a lot. I, I often would rather let the person just be wrong than tell them the hard truth often. But that's selfishness. That's not love. If I love them in the moment, I'm going to be willing to, to risk the relationship, risk how happy they are with me. I'm going to be willing to risk them maybe getting a little bit mad at me, a little bit upset with me because what they're doing is not helpful. It's going to lead them in an unhealthy direction. If someone's headed toward a cliff, love is saying, hey, hey, look, there's a cliff. You're about to drive off of it, right? That's what love requires of us. But I think fighting for one another isn't just about correction and confrontation. It can also be as simple as just easing someone's burdens, just helping them in a difficult season of life. Maybe it's taking them a meal when they're having a stressful time, or maybe they've just had surgery or something like that. Maybe it's sitting down and just listening to them when they're grieving, when they're hurting, just being there, just being a friend. Maybe it's taking some of the workload from them when they're overwhelmed. Whatever it might be, when we carry each other's burdens, we are fighting for that person's health. We're doing what's uh, uncomfortable, inconvenient for us, for the good of the other person. Life is so much better when we fight for one another. Secondly, life is better when we encourage one another. When we encourage one another. Paul said he wanted those he was fighting for to be encouraged in heart and united in love. And so he was fighting for these people so that they would ultimately be encouraged. He wanted them to have courage. Fighting for one another means that if someone is feeling down and defeated or discouraged, we come alongside them and we build them up, help them to continue to go down the right path. Or even if they're not necessarily in a bad spot, we come alongside them and we encourage them with how well they're doing and ask them to continue to move forward. I think that if each of us became encouragers, I think we could change so many lives, change so many relationships, change so many situations if we all were constantly encouraging one another. I want you to think back to some of the, the mistakes that you've made in life, some of the dumb decisions, maybe some of the sin, maybe some of the big ones, maybe the not so big ones. How different would that decision have gone for you if someone had been there in that moment who loved you to encourage you in a different direction? How different would you have decided? Now, I know there's times where we just want our sin and no matter what anyone says, we're going after it, right? I have those moments more often than I'd like to admit. But how many times would it have gone differently? And think about the other side of that too the opportunities that we've missed, the times that we haven't stepped forward in faith, the times where we've been too scared to say what we should have said. If someone had been there in that moment to just say, God is for you, God is with you, you can do this. There's more in you than you can imagine because the God of the universe is with you and for you. How different would we have decided? Would we have stepped forward in faith? I think if we all had people speaking hope and life into us regularly, it would change our lives. This is why we need each other so desperately. When we're down, we come alongside and say, listen, you can do this. Keep going. Keep moving forward. And when we're doing well, we can come alongside each other and help us uh, help uh, not go off the rails into unhelpful directions because that can happen so fast. 
I know I've had people step into my world when I was discouraged and with a few words of hope, just turn everything around for me. Just by believing in me, just by believing in what God can do in and through me, I all of a sudden was able to go from frustrated, stressed out to calm and confident. And it didn't solve all of my problems, but it helped me face them with confidence. The truth is that there is a lot that we could be discouraged about in life, right? We live in a fallen world that is not yet all that God created it to be, but for the follower of Jesus, there's actually far more to be encouraged by in life. Because if we're united with Jesus, then we ultimately win in the end. And God is with us, and God is for us, and God is a God who makes a way, as we talked about already in our service today. We are connected to the one who is love, who is wisdom, who is life. Jesus has already solved our greatest problem on the cross, and so everything else that we face in life is a little bit smaller, is a little bit less scary, because Jesus has already solved our greatest problem problem. There's so much to be encouraged by in life if we will only open our eyes to see those things. But what can happen? So we get so focused on our situation that we don't lift our eyes to all that God has done, all that God is doing, all that God will do in our lives. And so we need one another to come alongside each other and say, hey, lift your eyes. Look at what God is doing. Look at what God's going to do. We win in the end. That's why we desperately need each other. Life is better when we encourage one another. Well, third, I think life is better when we grow with one another. Verses 6 and 7 again. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So Paul is saying that we need to continue to live our lives in Jesus, growing in him into all that he has called us to be. And that phrase, being rooted and built up, has the idea of a plant that has these strong roots, and it is going to be able to withstand whatever uh, storm might come along in life, and it's going to be able to continue to be healthy because it's rooted and it's built up. The psalmist talks about this too in, in Psalm chapter 1. I want to read these three verses for you here. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and it, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So the psalmist says that the righteous are like this tree that is planted by water. They're rooted and they're built up in God. They prosper and they're healthy because they are growing in their relationship with God. They don't keep company with people who are continuously just pursuing sin, but they delight in God and they delight in his ways. And so notice how the psalmist makes this connection between our relationship with God and the relationship with those around us. He says that if we want to grow in our walk with God, we can't walk in step with the wicked. And what that means is that we don't pattern our lives after theirs. It doesn't mean that we're never around people who are sinners because we're sinners, so we couldn't be around ourselves, right? Like that wouldn't work out. But what it means is that we don't do the things that they do. We don't look to them for cues on how to live in life. We don't pattern our lives after theirs 
But instead, the righteous pursue relationships that help them be like that tree that's planted by the one by the water. It's healthy and it bears fruit. You see, our walk with God was never designed to be an individual thing. It was designed to be a community project. We were designed to do it with others. Anonymous, consumerist, isolated, independent, self-sufficient, Jesus and me Christianity, that's not really something that you'll find in the Bible. It's not described on the pages of Scripture. You and I simply were not created or recreated in Jesus Christ to live all by ourselves. We were actually designed to live in intentionally intrusive, redemptive community. Relationships where we step into each other's lives and we help each other follow Jesus. Relationships where we're willing to share the realities of our hearts instead of just putting on some public display of of niceness and spirituality that kind of hides what's really going on in our hearts, and in our lives, and in our minds. You see, as a believer, relationships just aren't a lifestyle option. They're a spiritual necessity. We desperately need each other as we follow Jesus. They're an indispensable part of what God has called us to do, who he's called us to be, this life he's called us to live in Scripture. We need each other in order to do that. In fact, even your kids are learning about this today from Ecclesiastes, if you've got them checked in in the back. They're talking about how we are designed to do life with others, and I'd encourage you, if you have some children, maybe ask them on the way home or as you're sitting around uh, the dinner table today what they learned about how we need to do life with others. I'm pretty confident that I would not be where I am today if it weren't for relationships with people who loved God and who saw something in me and who encouraged me, who fought for me, who helped me grow. I'm pretty confident I would not even be pursuing God if it wasn't for people in my life who helped me. Sure, I I grew up in church, but I was a a pretty proud church kid. When my father walked out on my family, my, my faith was challenged in a major Way And all of a sudden I had to decide, is, is this the person I want to be? Do I want to actually follow Jesus for myself? Because for a long time it kind of been just like what my family did, and so I didn't really have a whole bunch of choice in the matter, right? So all of a sudden I was at this crisis in my faith, but thankfully I was part of a youth group and a church that wrapped its arms around me and around my family. My youth pastor and some other men in my life became like spiritual fathers to me. My friends at youth group and at church became like spiritual siblings to me. All around me, I had these connections, these relationships with people who were fighting for me in the midst of a terrible time in our family, a terrible time in my life, and they helped me through it. It was relationships with others that God used to call me into ministry. This wasn't my idea at first. Other people saw something in me and said, I think this might be what, you need to consider what God might have for your life. It's been relationships with others that have time and time again called out sin in my life, called me up to what God has uh, enabled and gifted me to do. It's given me hope when I didn't think that there was any spoken life and light into dark places in my soul. It's been relationships time and time again that God has used in some amazing ways in my life. Some of the greatest joys the last few years have really been watching God work through relationships in my small group, in, uh, in student ministries, and just other relationships that I have here around Bridgewater. It's been so fun to watch God save people. 
It's been so fun to watch people in my small group get baptized, to be a part of baptizing them. It's been so fun to see them take their next steps. It's been so fun to watch people get connected with others who are helping them move towards Jesus. And I could tell you story after story of how God is using relationships all around this place to help us move toward him, to help us continue to take our next steps. It's so much fun when we do life together. God does some amazing things when we open ourselves up to him and to other people around us. Life really is better connected. I believe it because the Bible teaches it, but also because I've seen it to be true in my life and I've seen it to be true in the lives of others around me time and time again. And so what do we do with something like this? What do we do with a message like this? Well, if you're already connected with others, then we could walk through those three things. Who, who do you need to fight for? Are there some unhealthy patterns in the life of someone around you, someone that you love that you've just been too scared to say anything about? Or maybe there's just some burdens that they're carrying that you could help them carry as they're in a dark and a, and a hard time. Who might be somebody you need to encourage? Who could you speak some life and light into just by affirming that God loves them, God is for them, and there's more in them than they could imagine because the God of the universe is on their side? Who could you speak some life into, maybe even today? Who do you need to help grow? Who can you help take their next step in their walk with God? Who do you need to come alongside and help them continue to pursue Jesus? What about getting connected? How can we begin or strengthen the relationships with others? Well, first, and the reason I'm wearing this shirt today, is you could sign up for a small group. You'll probably see a couple of these around in the next coming weeks. We've been talking about those uh, small groups for the last couple of weeks, and those will get kicked off here uh, next week. And so uh, a, a good way, probably the best way to get connected at Bridgewater is to be part of a small group. It is one of the best ways. I don't want to overstate it, but one of the things I say sometimes is that if you're not part of a small group, you're, you're missing a big part of uh, what, what Bridgewater can do for you, what God can do in your life, I should say, through those relationships. They are so, so important. But beyond just putting your name down on a piece of paper, although I hope you do that at the table out there, actually show up. Actually come to group and do so consistently. And I, I know that life gets busy, but... We need each other so desperately, and so we need to be a part of these relationships, and so show up to small group, but, but then beyond that, actually open up. Actually share a life with those people in that small group. Your small group is only really going to be as effective in your life as you are vulnerable with the people in that group. They can't really help you if you're really good at non-answers, or if you're, not, you're really good at hiding what's actually going on in your life. It's one thing to just show up to group, but it's another thing to actually open up to those people and start sharing life with them. God does some amazing things when we do that. But beyond just our small groups, I think there's some other great ways to be connected here at Bridgewater. One great way if you call Bridgewater home is to come early, to park far, and to sit close. Josh talked about this a couple weeks ago when we were talk to, talking about save people, uh, serve people. But if you're uh, coming early, you actually have an opportunity to connect with those around you. If you're here as the service starts or after, you're not going to really have much of an opportunity to connect with others and to build those relationships. And so I'd encourage you, if you call Bridgewater home, to come early, park far, 
to sit close, to serve those around you by leaving those close spots and those close spot, uh, spots for new people who don't call Bridgewater home yet. And maybe for some of you here today, a good goal would be to meet one person, one new person every week. I think we're at a, at a size right now where you could do that for a while and probably still have some people to meet. And then there's new people here just about every single week. And so maybe for some, it would, that would be a great goal. If we're going to be a welcoming church, it's going to take each of us doing our part to be outward focused, to always looking to get more people connected into community, into those relationships. See, one of the interesting things about community is that it is naturally exclusive, right? I mean, think about it. If you walk into a room and there's a bunch of people huddled up in a circle and they've all got their backs to you and there's no room for you to join, you feel excluded, don't you? You don't feel like you're a part of that group. You automatically are like, oh, I guess I'll go over here and find a different group to talk to or something, right? Community naturally wants to circle up and focus on each other. And that's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself, but it can become unhealthy really, really quickly. And so it's going to take all of us keeping our eyes up to people who still don't have a home, people who aren't connected yet, people who still don't have those relationships. It takes each one of us being a part of that. Another great way to get connected would be to start serving. God does something amazing in our hearts and in our lives when we serve with others. I think my best friends have been the people that I have served with. People I'm currently serving with, the people I've gotten to serve with in the past, they're some of my closest relationships. And finally, you could reach out to people throughout the week. Just send a text to that person that you saw just doing a great job on Sunday morning serving, just to encourage them. Call your friend that's struggling. Maybe pray with them. Listen to what's going on in their lives. Get coffee with that person in group who doesn't, fight, uh, doesn't feel quite uh, comfortable yet. It feels like they're just a little bit uneasy. They haven't opened up. Just invite them out to coffee and say, listen, I remember what that was like when I first joined. Let me help you. I want to be an encouragement to you. Don't wait for somebody else to reach out to you. You take the initiative and reach out to others. Church life is so much better when we are connected, and so I'd encourage us to be a people who fight for one another, who encourage one another, who grow with one another, because God does some amazing things when we actually live life together. It's so much better when we're connected. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. Thank you that it's clear. Thank you that it helps us see that life is so much better when we're connected. Thank you for sending Jesus to take care of our greatest problem so that we could have a restored relationship with you first. Father, we didn't deserve that. We could never earn that. And when we were far from you, the Bible says when we hated you, you sent Jesus to die in our place for our sins so that we can have a restored relationship with you. And Father, we thank you so much for doing that. God, thank you for calling us into relationships with others. We've seen that life is better when we do that. It's better when we're there for each other, fighting for each other, and willing to do what's uncomfortable, what's inconvenient for the good of someone else. When we've got a group of people around us doing that, our lives are so much healthier Father, when we encourage one another, when we're down and someone comes alongside and just speaks truth and hope into our life, Father, I pray that we would be a people that do that consistently. 
Father, I pray that we would be a people who are growing closer to you with each other, just constantly encouraging uh, each other to take our next steps towards you. Father, we thank you so much for the sacrifice of Jesus and that he makes all of this possible. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.